grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the Triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we prepare to hear the word, let us pray. Ever loving God, we remember the words of Jesus. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Give us this bread by your Holy Spirit that we might be nourished by your word and share your goodness with all. Amen. A reading from the book of Proverbs. Wisdom built her house. She has carved out her seven pillars. She slaughtered her animals, mixed her wine, and set her table. She sends out her female servants. She issues an invitation from the top of the city heights. Whoever is naive, turn aside here. She says to those who lack sense, come eat my food and drink my wine I have mixed. Abandon your simplistic ways and live. Walk in the way of understanding. Teach the wise that they will become wiser. Inform the righteous and their learning will increase. The beginning of wisdom is reverence of the living one. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Through me, your days will be many. Years will be added to your life. If you are wise, it is to your benefit. If you are cynical, you will bear it all alone. The word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel of John. Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. As the living God sent me and I live because of God, so whoever eats me lives because of me. It is the bread that came down from heaven. It isn't like the bread your ancestors ate and they died. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Many of his disciples who heard this said, this message is harsh. Who can hear it? Jesus knew that the disciples were grumbling about this, and he said to them, does this offend you? What if you were to see the human one growing up where he was before? The spirit is the one who gives life, and the flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, yet some of you don't believe. Jesus knew from the beginning who wouldn't believe and the one who would betray him. Jesus said, for this reason, 
I said to you that none of you can come to me unless Abba God enables them to do so. At this, many of his disciples turned away and no longer accompanied him. Jesus asked the 12, do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are God's holy one. The word of the Lord. Imagine sitting down at a neighbor's table. How nice of the family next door to invite you over for dinner. And look, they have prepared your favorite dish. Not the way that your grandmother made it, but still, the odors make your mouth water. Just imagine. Hold out your plate for your host to serve you a generous helping. Take a dinner roll when the bread basket is passed your way. There's gluten-free if you need. Another dish is passed around. A serving bowl of steamed broccoli. So what do you do? Well, if broccoli is your favorite vegetable, there's no hesitation. Pile it on. If broccoli neither offends nor excites, you might take a reasonable portion to be polite. Don't like the taste? Well, pass it along. Presumably you are an adult, and one of the advertised perks of adulthood is vegetable self-determination. George Bush Sr. didn't care for broccoli, neither do you. Daniel passed the serving bowl along for a different reason. Later, he told us stories from his childhood dinner table. Like a lot of kids, Dan's sister was a picky eater. Now, some families have a one-bite rule where children and parents negotiate exactly how many peas qualify as one bite. Other parents are happy to douse everything in salt, butter, and cheese, or to hold out dessert as a kind of carrot and stick tactic for convincing their kids to eat carrots. But in Dan's household, the rule was all or nothing. Dan and his other siblings would push themselves to power through a serving of broccoli, but not Brittany. She wouldn't eat it, period. There would be nights when Brittany and their father were the only people remaining at the table, each stonewalling until the other broke. Once Brit gagged on a mouthful of broccoli and regurgitated it back on her plate, she was provided a fresh helping. Now, as an adult, Daniel explained that he actually loved vegetables of all kinds, but sometimes broccoli conjured up memories 
of that regurgitated pile on the plate, a table where hospitality became a hostage situation. I'll pass for now, he said. Listening to Jesus, I thought about Dan's family. How many people over the centuries have gagged on Jesus's instructions, eat my flesh, drink my blood? How many of us power through this final portion of Jesus's teaching about the bread of life, not too eager to think about it the next time we celebrate the sacrament of communion. I watch crowds of disciples pack up their belongings and go home. I see a little sister's dejected face among them. I scan Jesus's face for some sign that he's familiar with the exhaustion of parents who have tried a dozen different ways to convince their children that broccoli is good for you. Jesus, are you sure? Are you sure that no one can come to you, that none can feast on living bread unless your father, Abba God, enables them? Lord, that message sounds harsh much harsher than any mystical meditation that smacks of cannibalism. The Gospel of John is a profoundly mystical account of Jesus' life. Over the past few weeks, we've tagged along with crowds curious about the miracles he performed, and we've heard the Savior encourage them and us to look deeper, beyond loaves and fishes, multiplied to feed thousands, glimpse in Jesus Christ, the bread of life, true manna from heaven, beyond broccoli or barley, Catch the Savior, rebuff disciples, urging him to eat, saying, I am fed by doing the will of the one who sent me and by completing God's work. Listen deeply, and in the chest of a carpenter from the boondocks, you can hear the steady heartbeat of the universe. Yes, the Gospel of John is mystical. It's a little mystifying, and it's also poignantly human. It's only in this Gospel that we witness Jesus shedding tears. It's only in these pages that we hear authorities in Jerusalem weigh the risks of religious fervor at Passover and decide that it is better for one man to die than for the whole nation to be destroyed at the hands of the Roman Empire. Watching throngs of departing disciples, I can imagine a sense of confusion, a feeling of rejection, human experience, 
is woven through this story, every stitch. The gospel doesn't state why exactly. So many people decided that today we're fed up following Jesus. But maybe it doesn't need to because we know that feeling, that feeling of giving up. The gospel doesn't explain exactly what eating and drinking Jesus's flesh and blood means. There's no institution of the Lord's Supper in this gospel after all. The gospel of John leaves a lot of things unsaid, but here's what it does say. It says that the word became flesh. God comes to us in bone and breath, not to divide people between outsiders and insiders, losers and winners, those who get it and those left in the dark. No, it doesn't matter which line we get into so that we can come to Jesus. The whole point of God so loving the world is that in Jesus Christ, God comes to us. Of course God comes to us. The gospel writer not only experienced that, that truth in Jesus, but he also read his scriptures, what we Christians call the Old Testament. Again and again in the Jewish scriptures, God comes near, including in the book of Proverbs. Listen, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Those opening lines from the Gospel of John sound a whole lot like these words from Proverbs, in which wisdom declares, the living one gave birth to me at the beginning, before the first acts of creation. I have been from everlasting in the beginning, before the world began. In Proverbs, wisdom speaks in a woman's voice, saying, I was a skilled artisan standing next to the Almighty. I was God's delight day after day, rejoicing at being in God's presence continually, rejoicing in the whole world, delighting in humankind. Can you hear in that some of John's poetry? Everything came into being through the word, and without the word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life, and the life was the light for all people. In a passage Ford read from Proverbs, we saw wisdom's creative power up close. She is an architect and a construction worker, a chef and a winemaker, 
a household manager, and a host to a fabulous feast. We also glimpsed in wisdom the grace of God at work. She doesn't send out her servants just to find smart people for her dinner party, nor does she shame or belittle those who lack common sense. No, the invitation is to all who desire life not simply adding years to your existence, but true, meaningful life here and now. Yes, the gospel writer had read Proverbs, and I believe helps us understand how Jesus, the incarnate word, is God's wisdom, delighting in humankind. God can't wait for us to realize how loved we are. And so wisdom enters the womb and the word grows up human so that all of us with hungry hearts might feast at that banquet of being truly alive. Now, wisdom knows how to throw a party. She is offering good barbecue and great wine to her guests. Sounds a lot more appetizing to me than Jesus's images of flesh and blood. But consider with me the metaphor of eating. What does eating wisdom's food mean if not learning? Just to take your seat at the table is to stop business as usual. There, you perk up your ears and listen. It can be a lot to digest what wisdom is serving up. So just like at any party, you'd get up and move around. Digesting. Digesting means learning by doing trying out what you've heard, practicing the movements with the other dinner guests. Remember what Jesus said to those disciples, the ones who wanted him to eat something? I am fed by doing the will of the one who sent me. Jesus digests by doing. So do those at wisdom's table. So do we. Jesus nourishes us with his own life, divine life, eternal life, when we stop and listen and learn. When we learn by doing, practicing with other disciples, ways of wisdom. Friends, what do you want to practice in this community of disciples? We can practice the way of our servant Lord by being leaders through acts of heartfelt service. We might welcome children with a fixed up playground. We can, with Jesus, let ourselves feel real grief and anger. We can help each other let go and trust that the Spirit will take care of us. And of course, 
Of course, we are made partners in Christ's ministry of healing. Naturally, that includes making thoughtful decisions about how to behave when our county counts new COVID cases in the double digits. But healing is more than that. Healing also asks about wholeness. Together, the Hector Church can show love to our whole community, showing up for grieving neighbors, hopeless neighbors, hungry neighbors. You know what? I think that we are more than wisdom's dinner guests. I think that we are part of her household, residents of God's house, the one that has many rooms. Wisdom sends us out to the highways and byways with her other servants to spread the word about the party happening at the house with seven pillars. Come and learn the ways of life with us. That's our invitation. Here's who we are trying to be. That's our witness. How are we doing so far? That is walking humbly with our God. I think about this time that I've shared with you over the past three years, time spent on the highways and byways, mostly 414, reaching out to our neighbors. After I take my leave of your camaraderie, your good company, you might even reach out and say to our non-church-going neighbors, we recognize how you walk in the ways of wisdom. Would you walk with us? Would you even help us interview candidates applying to be our next pastor? Why not? A century before the word took up residence in Nazareth, a Jewish poet, probably in Egypt, composed an ode to God's wisdom. Nestled in those lines is a description of our intimate relationship with God. Listen. Generation after generation, she enters souls and shapes them into God's friends and prophets. For God loves nothing so much as people who make their home with wisdom. Folks, Christ Jesus, wisdom and word, has come to make a home with us. He is the bread of life, broken in love and friendship. He sends us out, members of wisdom's household, prophets to our neighbors, sharing how sweet the bread of heaven truly is. Friends, let your footsteps follow in wisdom's gracious path. And for this grace, 
that guides and grounds us. Let us give all glory and all gratitude to God, creator of the sun and soil, Christ, the bread of life, spirit who bids us come and dine. Amen. <laughs>